0: Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com slash B-E. They are the Fabulous
1: Learning Nerds. Because if you're tired of the old ways of getting it done, you've got the Fabulous Learning Nerds. Scott,
0: Dan, and Abby are making it fun. The best ideas that you've ever heard. So everybody spread the word. They're going to keep
1: your wheels turning. Fabulous Learning Nerds. Fabulous Learning
0: Nerds. Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another amazing episode of your Fabulous Learning Nerds. I'm Scott Sheehy, your host. And with me, he's back, everybody. I love him. Dan Coonrod.
2: Dan the man. Oh, yeah.
0: Dan. What's up, Scott? I'm doing uh, You know, not much is up. How's that? You know, it's uh, full transparency. Today is the first day of Daylight mm-hmm. Savings Time. And um, I, I hate this me. time of the year. Yeah, it sucks. So you, now, you you have an interesting story about Daylight Savings Time. I really want you to share that story.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, <clears throat> got a lot going on in life. So, I'm up pretty late the other night um sitting here which would be last night Mm -hmm. yeah it was it was and uh i am just looking at the clock it's already late it's like 150 i tell myself all right 10 more minutes i'm going to bed type 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 work 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 work. grumble 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 look back at the clock it's 305 And I have this moment of just like this existential terror. Like, where did the last hour of my life go? What happened? I look at the page I'm working on. There's six lines. I'm like, there's no way it took me an hour to write six lines. What is going on? And I have like this solid, like 30 seconds of like touching my face. Like, oh, crap. Oh, crap. What's going on? Oh, daylight savings time. God, I hate daylight savings time.
0: So, yeah, you just went through a wormhole of time. I did. Basically, you went through the wormhole time.
3: Yeah, Yeah. I did.
0: And how did you come out of that wormhole? How did you come out feeling?
3: Uh, You know, it was not my... I feel like we're on a coast-to-coast episode all of a sudden. It was not my uh, favorite thing. I hate daylight savings time. I really... Anytime you mess with the clock, um, I'm just like, this sucks. Uh, Every time, like... I mean, like, everybody's like, yay, in fall when we get that hour back. But it's not like it's really getting it back. It's just somebody tinkering with the clock. And then and then again in spring. Then everybody hates it. Nobody's like, oh, man, I am so glad that the sun rose an hour earlier today. Nobody's, nobody's happy for that anymore. We're in the 2000s.
0: So, so you're not fair to me. You're not not fair to Midland today?
3: I mean, I hate to break the record, but, you know, probably not. No. Daylight Savings has taken my fair to Midland. I'm definitely more on Um, the Midland side of fair to Midland.
0: I see. Well, let's see if somebody else might be fair to Midland. Um, Okay. Everybody you love her. Abby Dawson's with us. Abby. Hey Scott, Abby, are you fair to Midland today?
2: I'm, I'm actually really good today. I know I don't love daylight <laughs> savings time either, but I'm fine. I'm good.
0: Oh, I've had my coffee. Awesome. It's
2: nice and sunny. I'm excited to talk to you guys. We have a good guest. Oh
0: that is awesome. <laughs> <gasps> All yeah, right, there you go. so Abby's doing fantastic. You can't see Abby, but everybody, Abby. De- changed her hair color today <laughs> yeah
2: it was uh not what i was expecting i was going for uh some pink in my hair and i ended up with some peachy orangey but i'm trying to lean into it i figure it's still fun it's not what i expected
3: i said but. you
0: were bright red but you're, you're going orange um yeah yeah
3: yeah it's yeah. definitely orange you it's, should, it's orange for that's sure okay
0: I've got yeah. new orange headsets, so you match my headset, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a copper. sherbert
2: Maybe it's Sherbert. I don't sherbert
0: know. Sherbert is a... Man, I haven't used that word forever. Before <laughs> we lose the last member of our audience, um, I would love to introduce our special guest, everybody. We've got a great guest today. Uh, we're going to spend some more time talking about... Um, how, uh, how we can work better to improve performance of our employees uh, through learning and development. And uh, you're going to love what he has to say. Uh, Mr. Brandon Gore is with us, and we're going to learn more about Brandon in a little segment that we call What's Your Deal? Hey, man. What's your deal? Brandon.
1: Hey, Scott. How you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Hey, what's your deal, Brandon?
1: So, uh, so my deal is I hire people. I, I've been in talent acquisition for about eighteen years, uh, in in a lot of different ways. Um, starting out in in an agency, uh, boo hiss, but uh, moving over to corporate uh, talent acquisition in in a variety of ways, from from high volume markets to kind of uh, just just strictly exempt uh, higher level hires, uh, international, uh, continental uh pretty much if there is a profession out there i have hired for it in some way shape or form
0: that's fantastic so help help us understand help our audience understand uh, like how did you get into recruiting what you know you woke up one day i don't want to be a fireman i want to be a recruiter so how does that happen
1: like all great folk heroes uh it was it was i was just destined for it um no, so uh, you know <laughs> right around the 2000s um, my family actually, uh, my father in a just Ill, ill-fated ill move, bought a, bought a staffing agency and, um, you know, did it for a while. And I was in the, uh, highly professional and highly sought after career of record store management and, uh, did not want to help them out at all. And so, uh, they asked me to help them and I said, no, no, I'm, uh, I'm really busy trying to sell people on uh, pre-ordering Harry Potter. And so uh, they, they asked again in about, about three or four months. And I said, no, 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 no. Uh, I don't really want to work with family. And they asked me about three months later and said, I need need your help. And I said, okay, I'll do it. And so I went in and the first day uh, that I was there, uh, I got used to it. And I, I met a, a really nice lady and, and found her uh, a position that we had open um, that was working at a... Um, I don't know if I can name company names here. So uh, it's a it's a it's a, a company that has uh, brown trucks that deliver things. And uh, she went there and worked for about three months and they hired her on and she brought me a plate of brownies when they, they hired her on and said, hey, I just want to say thank you. Uh, I haven't had health insurance in about five years. If I have health insurance now. I'm going to take my kids to the doctor. Thanks. And I was like, wow, okay. My heart just melted. Um, I'm a bit of a teddy bear, so you know, my heart just melted and I was like, wow, this is this is amazing. And, you know, over the course of my career, just, you know, that idea that yeah, everyone has to work, right? I mean, there's there's very few of us that are independently wealthy, but for most of us, we have to uh we have to do something to pay for the roof over our head and the food that we eat. And um, you know, sometimes that's a passion. Sometimes it's something that we don't mind doing, but we all have to do something. And so, uh, I've really just just fell in love with the idea of helping people to get into roles and positions where a they can grow, and then b uh, they can do something that you know they can tolerate in their lives uh, to be able to provide for themselves and their families.
0: Well, you and I are kin spirits because I will do anything for a brownie. I don't know about that. Damn.
2: I don't Brownies. think he's lying. I'm not. I'm not.
0: Yeah, oh, my God. Brownies are amazing. Uh, I'm actually hankering for one now. So that's fantastic. Brandon, thanks so much for sharing your story. Um, I think that's great. And you've got some really great insights around how we can um, leverage what you do and, and what we do to, to help our people grow and help uh, impact both personal development and business impact, right? which are not mutually exclusive. I continue to tell people that that, that they're not mutually exclusive. It's a great thing. Um, Folks, let's go ahead and get into that in our topic of the week. Okay, today, folks, we're going to be talking about career development through learning and development. There's two developments in one sentence, and that's great. So, Brandon, you and I were talking a little bit before the show about this... um, you know, we're in this interesting um, period of time, the Great Resignation, and and I would love to get your insights around how that affects what you're doing. But more importantly, you've you spent met, mentioned this disconnect that's going on, and I totally 100% agree um, around the disconnect. Um, so go ahead, talk to us about this interesting time and more importantly about this disconnect.
1: Yeah. So I, I, I see this a lot. And, I, you know, I'm I'm going to I'm going to focus in on one area in particular, but but believe me, this happens throughout all all different types uh, and, and different departments in business. But I'm going to focus in on technology because that is uh, that that's the, the big thing that's going on right now, kind of what I'm hiring for. And so w- when I look at technology and I look at those hiring managers and we talk about about those job descriptions, when those first hit my desk and they say, hey, we want to hire X, Y, Z, Superman engineer. Uh, I, I need this skill, and I need this language, and I need this, and I need five years of that and three years of this, and seven years of this, and two years of that. And uh, you know a dash of this and a pinch of that. There is this disconnect between putting all of those as just simple check boxes and finding the candidate that fits in every single one. And people are leaving jobs in, in epic numbers. They're not coming back to what they were doing before. And what, what I think we've run out of is, or honestly, I'm going to say it, it never really existed in the first place, is that perfect candidate. That person that checks off every box, who's also that great team player, who's that cultural fit, who is that person that's going to push really hard in their position to, p- position to go you know, above and beyond. Um, but then also still, yeah, has all those, those different little bitty technical skills that doesn't exist. And, and I don't think it ever really did exist. And so what I have been trying to do, uh, you know, probably for the last, you know, five to five to eight years of my career, and particularly now I'm pushing a little bit harder in it is to reevaluate and, and kind of break it down to, Hey, I need five years of this language. I need three years of this language, which I need two years of this language and say, all right, there's two years of this language. Is this something that it's another language that's, that's very familiar to it? Is this something that this language is easy or hard to learn? And could we find someone that has the five years and three years and then take those two years and somehow leverage our learning and development teams to be able to equip them with the tools to get up to speed on that? And, and they might not be where we need them to be day one and they might not be where they mean we need them to exactly be six months in but a year in they're probably going to be there what this does i feel like is one we're able to, to grow those perfect candidates and and who doesn't want perfect in the end and two i i don't know i, I, I i'm gonna assume i'm gonna get some some agreement here but any company that's taken that sort of interest in me and developing me and building my skills, um, I've actually given a little bit of loyalty to. And I think loyalty towards a company, especially when you look at our generations, um, is a little bit rarer because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the tail end of Gen X. Uh, I hang out with a bunch of millennials. And I think we all saw um, our parents. Uh, be loyal to companies that had zero loyalty to them. And when we actually see a company that invests in our people, you know, it, it does kind of tend to build some loyalty to them. So what you're able to do is you're able to, you know, kind of create that perfect candidate, that, that perfect person inside your organization, take them from what might be a seven to a nine. And then at the same time, build in a little bit of loyalty to, to kind of keep them a little bit more.
0: No, I love what you say, um, and and I totally agree. We've talked about this many, many times. About oh my goodness, um, average tenure, and I know you're seeing it too. So, like, average tenure in most organizations today is an abysmal eighteen months. And one of the theories that I espouse to is that they were just not we're we're not taking into account how the markets changed and how employees have changed. And you know, today's employees want more than just a paycheck. Like they they want to feel valued. And so if we can upskill them, which is really what you're talking about, right? So we can take the time to upskill and develop. I'm going to feel um, like you value me. Like, this is great. You're actually going to give me skills so I can do, be- do better at my job? Well, that's fantastic. So that's great. So I see the connection there, and I think that that's tremendously important. Um, and, and I would agree that you, like, we spend countless of weeks and sometimes months trying to find that perfect candidate. Um, and you're right, <clears throat> they, they oftentimes don't exist. You take the best of what you got, and then you expect them to perform like that perfect candidate. and when they, and when they don't, we all get you know so discombobulated, and, and then the cycle starts all over, and unfortunately, that costs a tremendous amount of money, right?
1: Well, and, you know, and you see it too, you know, you said that you get discombobulated and, you know, sometimes those people go on whatever, whatever company, you know, might have different terminology for it, a PIP or, you know, a, a performance correction or whatever. How many times in, inside of those is LED leverage to help save that person?
0: My experience is zero. Yep.
1: Yeah. 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 It's 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 less of a um a performance improvement and more of a uh paperwork coverage so that I can terminate you later. Because if it's a performance improvement, what you would do is you would set out a path for this person and you would reach out to 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 someone that has you know one of your three skills and say, Hey, this person is great. We hired them for a reason, right? I mean, you you made that decision for a reason. Someone said, we want this person to be part of our team. They're not hacking it. How do we get them there? And that, that kind of leads into kind of another point that I had is, you know, sometimes what I've had to do, you know, I talked earlier about leveraging, kind of work, working with those hiring managers and saying, hey, what what are your gotta haves? You know, what are your nice to haves? But being able to pull um, Lend into that conversation and say, all right, here are your gotta haves. Here's what my, my learning team says they can get this person up to speed on. And here's what they can add to this person. So we don't have to try to get this person that has, you know, A, B and C all, you know, firing on, on all cylinders we're able to get a B you know that are firing all cylinders C might be kind of a a weaker point but my L and D team can say we we got you bring this person in that's a great cultural fit that's going to be a good fit for your team and has these two skills that are super necessary right They're they're the heart and soul of it they're your meat and potatoes but we will get your your veg up to speed I speak in a lot of analogies guys so (laughs) please bear with me on this right um
3: I was going to say, I, I love that. I love that. I can't tell you how many times where I've been trying to hire for like an instructional design role or like a trainer role. And like, I'm talking to our recruiter and I'm like, okay, here are the big things I'm looking for. And and like, I feel like sometimes like the recruiters are so used to like trying to find that perfect candidate that they'll be like, okay, well, what about these things? Like, I don't care about this. It's like, we'll teach them that when they get here. Uh oh. Okay, and then like having to go back to recruiters and be like, "Hey, what are you filtering for?" Oh, I'm filtering for all these skills. Stop that. Stop. Stop. I, I I promise you, like the the two big things are what I'm looking for. Stop filtering for the rest. Oh, well, that'll be a lot of candidates. Great, great. Like I I don't mind that. Like just start sending people. I'm looking for the right person, not the right role. And yeah, uh, you know, to hear you say that is like just awesome because I I don't think. I think a lot of recruiters, a lot of people in talent acquisition have gotten into that like, got to find the perfect candidate, got to find the perfect candidate. And so like trying to like upset that apple cart I know has caused me heartburn in the
2: past. Brandon, I have a question. So I think you lay out a very good argument and I, people would be hard pressed to disagree, I think, (laughs) but when rubber hits the road, um, me working in an L&D team um, I'm, I'm a process manager for my team. So I hear like, let's engage during the hiring process. Let's talk about what we can cover. I'm very like nuts and bolts. Like, so when does that happen? And what does that look like? So is that something you want to have happen before when you're creating the job post? Do we stay in contact with the team through the hiring process? Do we discuss candidates together? What is your vision for how that, that relationship works?
1: Um, so I am going to be a hundred percent transparent. I bug the crap out of my hiring managers. <laughs> like if I have, if I have an important role that I'm hiring for you and I'm not talking to you once a day, I'm failing. I, you business moves very, very fast right now. And I mean, right now it's always moved very fast. And When you have a critical absence, you need to hire for that role, right? What is happening to the rest of your team? They're shouldering that burden, right? So let's say maybe you have a team of five. So they have like, what, a 25% extra workload that is burning them out. So it's like like any sort of machine, right? And then those parts, putting that extra strain on them, they're going to burn out. Then I got to fill those. So I got to get that person in there and I got to get them to you very quickly. And secondly, your team needs to know there's a light at the end of the tunnel. This extra load that you're bearing is not going to be forever. Brandon's is working on it. He's he's in the tunnels, he's he's got a pickaxe in hand, he's mining for gold. He's going to get you someone. So I've got to be talking to you every day. Before the search happens though, is when that intake has to happen. And and also, something I want to sweep back to what you said, Dan, is, you know, you're, you're telling your recruiters, your recruiters should be lo- reaching out to you and creating this this profile. I mean, it, the, a job description is not a job ad. Uh, I think that's, that's sometimes where we often kind of get into a uh, a, a big problem because, um, you know, I, I've had hiring managers come to me and he's like, this is what I want to hire. And I'm like, okay, great. Let's create an ad from that. And they're like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, it's a, an ad is different than a, than a job description, and they're like, well, well, what does that mean? And I'm like, well, one, we're, we're a commercial is, is different than a, than a sandwich, right? You know, the commercial for the Big Mac <laughs> is not the Big Mac. <laughs> I mean, it's very different. Very insightful. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it's to me the job ad is pulling in available talent that is going to be interested in our role, and in a way. It it, it should attract that talent in the same way that, like, say, the advertising for the Big Mac, you know, pulls in someone who's hungry for a hamburger, pulls in someone that is a cultural fit for for that company in a way through through the language that it uses, through uh, even you know typography and font that those things can play a role. And I know that gets really really granular, but um, I really I think that stuff's important. So you know what happens in the the first realm round is you know. let's say you say hey i need this person I say great let's talk about it and we spend 30 to 40 minutes and we go through the lines on the job description then we go you know between the lines what is your cultural fit what is your team makeup like what do you guys like to do do you guys joke around a lot are you serious when do you start work how how uh, you know strict are you about this how much time do you guys spend after work do you guys talk to each other on the weekends do you play around i mean it, there's all these things that I think are super important. But a lot of times we boil it down to, well, hey, skill A, skill B, skill C, skill D, send me people. And that, that sounds a lot like, Dan, what, what your recruiters are doing for you. They're, they're saying, okay, this person has these skills. It fit my Boolean search. So I'm just gonna send you 12 resumes that fit that Boolean search. No. Uh, Unfortunately, it has to be, okay, so I did a Boolean search. I found these 12 resumes. I've talked to these 12 people. Uh, Three of them are a really good fit for your team. And that's who I want to push on to you. Uh, But you're not going to understand that unless you talk to people, unless you have that first initial intake meeting where you understand someone's team, someone's culture, something like that. Um, Does that answer your question or did I just just run all over (laughs)
2: that no, I think it was a, I think it was a great answer. Um, I would like to push you push you a little further though and say, yeah. where does L d interact in that process? so are yeah. we are we working with you to create that posting or that ad? are we once you get some candidates in the room yeah. talking to you guys about what we can do to help those folks?
1: Yeah, so I, I think L and d has to be present in in all parts of it. Um, one uh, when my initially push back to say, Hey, these skills are good, but L&D can get us where we need to be with certain ones. Do you need every single one on this page? Um, so L&D needs to be in that room for that because I don't want to saddle you guys with something where, you know, hey, Dan can teach this guy Portuguese. And I haven't talked to Dan might <laughs> Dan might, uh, Dan uh, might uh, <laughs> room later be like, oh, I don't know about that. Um, so you've got to be there to back me up and say, yeah, I can, I can teach this person Portuguese. Um and then I think that when if you are like I said leveraging LND to be able to turn that okay candidate that that culture fit and that push fit into that perfect candidate uh LND has to be part of that that panel interview process um to be able to say hey I I do think I can work with this person I can I can make this person the end goal of what we need. Um, I, I use the term lump of clay a lot of times with my hiring managers, and you know we're we're inside of that process. The hiring manager, I, L and D, we're all we're all the potters there, and you know we all have a hand in shaping it and creating it and making it that 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 perfect perfect form, that perfect vase at the end. Um so I think L and D has to be present in all all aspects of it. I mean, I I I don't wanna I don't wanna burden anyone with too much of the time, but if I'm having to go back and say, yes, we can get this person here because they're the right candidate for us, not just the skills candidate, I I have to have you guys in the room because you guys have to give your approval of it. You have to say, I can't do this. And I've had I've had L and D say, Hey, I really like this guy. He is fantastic. Or you know, this lady is probably an amazing cultural fit, but I don't think she has the learning mindset to be able to come into our organization and then develop into what we need. And that's okay. I mean, that's, that's, that's part of the process. I need that feedback. But so, so yeah, it, it has to be all parts of it, Abby. I'm sorry to burden you guys with that. <laughs>
2: no, I love, it Look, makes I, me think. Like if somebody if, if my HR department came to me and said, we want you to be more involved, I would think, do I have the skills? Do I have the time and do I have the knowledge that's going to help me like identify who's a good learner and who isn't uh, like where they're starting from? And we generally have a pretty good idea of those things. But when we're taking a more active role in that process, I think a lot of L&D groups would have to step it up and change some things, get some new skills.
1: Well, let me ask you guys. I, I know, I know Dan has because um, I, I've seen him in that classroom environment before. Uh, everyone else has been in that classroom environment, right? Scott, Abby, oh, yeah. yes, yes. So yep. I, I'm sorry, because I don't, I don't have your your your. <laughs> resume um, usually, I have someone someone's resume in front of me when I'm talking to them, so I know. Uh, <laughs> I feel so under. So, um, but it's easy. Like uh, usually, that first day, you can tell like who's engaged, who's there to like really learn, who is just kind of listening in the back of their heads, who is kind of thinks that they're they're. And I've had people trainers tell me, you know, this guy's great, but he thinks he's too smart for this class. He thinks he knows everything, and he doesn't think I'm going to teach him anything. And like you can you can identify those kind of learners, and that's that's a big part of what the skill set I need from my L&D team when they're, they're looking at the, the interview process. Mm-hmm. So, and I think, I think honestly that sort of insight into human behavior is useful. Even if we are not pushing someone as a, Hey, they're a 90% candidate L&D will get them to hundred percent because let's face it. Learning is part of everyone's job.
0: Yeah, really, really interesting. So I, I go back to thinking from a learning mindset, and I, I love this idea of people in the room. And I, I'm, you know, for, for me, <laughs> you can you could certainly understand uh, curiosity. You can certainly understand, like, where people are at, especially if they're humble. Like, hey, um, I know I'm going to need to get better at this. Or, hey, you know what, um, being able to be humble, like, one of the things that I've learned in the past few years when it comes to interviewing, like, the, not everything is great like the old adage of, you know, like, tell us tell something that, you know, you struggle with. Oh, I just work harder than everybody else around me and I don't have any free time, right? Um, which is a baloney answer, right? By the way, people never give that answer. Brandon's losing his mind. I'm watching him lose his <laughs> mind. That is not an answer. What we want to hear is, yeah, you know what? I'm not perfect and I made a mistake, but here's what I learned from it, right? So I think that as a learning professional, we can ask those kind of questions in a humbling way and and, and really a- assess whether or not people are being honest about where they're at and what skills that they need. But it does beg the question. So the question that I've got in my head, only because I've been thinking about this and I've actually been on some teams at work thinking about this, is this idea of upskilling. So you talk about the job and it's, you know, the job description and it's not an ad and all that good stuff. For me, help us understand like learning development in the room before we even start thinking about hiring anybody else. Setting a, setting forth objectives for success when it comes to say a learning journey for a particular role, right? Or have you had any of those experiences where we're talking or taking an assessment, you know, a department at a time of hey, you know what, I'm a, I'm an account manager. Well, what does that really mean? And what are the skills that are necessary for you to be successful in that? And let's go ahead and design, either go out and buy a package, right? Where we can get those skills that people can go ahead and get better at or design them on our own. I'll let you speak to that.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think about this a lot because, uh, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in a smaller company right now. Um, I, I've been in those monoliths, but I'm in a smaller company right now, and we we think a lot about succession planning. We we think a lot about you know growing people individually, you know, inside the company into into other roles. And so, you know, I, I think that unfortunately, you know, you guys are L and D, but the the D is is silent a lot of times. You know, uh, yeah, something that I, I see a lot is your teams being leveraged to you know when someone comes in that initial onboarding training and a lack of that continued career development inside a company and you know i, I think that that needs to come into play gosh for for everyone in, in all walks of it and so you know one thing that i do like to ask people coming in is and i know this is kind of weird because i'm hiring for a role uh but hey so you know you've talked to a couple people here i know you're coming in as a a customer success manager where would you want to be like talking to people in these roles but you've talked to a couple couple people above you where do you want to be eventually i mean is that something that like you think is a long-term goal for you how long do you want to kind of be in this how when would you want to like move up into another role And it's a weird question when you're hiring someone for a job, right? Like when I hire someone, let's say I hire someone for like um, a base call center role. How long do you want to be on the phones? Dan, you know the answer. It's, it's well, never. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, The odd one. I
3: like the the phones. I like training better, but phones are good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Uh, You you are the odd (laughs) one. You are are the odd one, then. Um, but being able to understand those kind of things lets me as as kind of a recruiter and you know i i I view my role as, as kind of a mirrored in you know I bring people into the organization, but I also really help with pushing people forward in the organization because i I view internal opportunities as kind of my whole recruitment spiel as well. It helps me understand who wants to develop for those 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 roles internally and how we push them into them. And, you know, there's there's been a lot of times that I've talked to my trainers and said, this person has this skill and that skill and this skill. Um, Can you nurture that? I think this person and this person and this person in your next training class are our next team leads and supervisors. Can you can you kind of evaluate and if you really feel the same, can you push a little harder on them? And can you stay with them along kind of their journey and once they're on the floor, check in every once in a while? And and like I said, this is all a lot of burden to ask, but I think that is how you build that organization. You have to have unfortunately, that little extra burden kind of pushing us to, to be a little bit more than what the baseline is.
0: I
3: love that. I love that thinking. And, you know, you say it's, a, it's an odd question. I was fortunate enough one time in an interview, a uh, director for the org I was applying for asked me, okay, so like, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I, I want to be a manager on this team he's like okay yeah i know i'm interviewing you for that i get that but what do you want to do where do you want to end up and i was so flummoxed by the question and so unprepared for it i was like uh i want to be a manager for this role uh because like nobody had ever like asked me that question and like you know like all the interview prep i had done like was completely thrown out the window by like you know, that kind of like future thinking. Like, if he had asked me, where do you see yourself in five years? Like, I'm, I'm sure I would have had like a much more glib and quick answer. But instead of like getting right to like the point, like, okay, like, I know that's what we're hiring for, but what do you, where do you want to be? What do you want to end up? Like, it completely threw me for a loop. I completely bombed that question. And, you know, like he came back to me later on and he was like, you know, hey, I was, I was asking to see if you had like the ambition, if like you wanted my job, if you wanted my role, like, those are things I'm looking for. I'm looking for people who I know can like move up and who I know will are like sitting on the bench. So just some feedback, have a better answer for that. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, I will.
2: <laughs> and I have seen that. So I, my first job was like a big, big corporate company where like my plan was to progress through the company. I started in like the lower ranks, like in sales, because that dream had been presented in those um, ads (laughs) that, hey, start here, get there. Um, But there was a disconnect. It was in the ads and it was in the presentation of like, this is why we want you here. But as soon as you got there, like there was not really a path to get to those places. So um, we know, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. It works. Telling people that there's a place for them to go, vetting them that way to get them hired on getting their like buy-in to work super hard once they get there. Um, But I, but if you don't actually have the path to get there, so that relationship with L and D with the rest of the company, like you're talking about Brandon, oh my gosh, I've seen it get nasty. People really resent that. (laughs) Can't do the bait and
1: switch. (laughs) I I make no bones about it. My my profession is uh, right there with the lawyers, right? Um, huh. you know, what do you, what do you call a, a bus full of uh recruiters going off a cliff? Um, you know, <laughs> good start. So yeah i I make full use of of that to 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 try to figure out what I need to do and and how my profession needs to evolve. And like you said, there's a lot of unfortunate examples like that. There's a lot of bad actors inside that recruiting space that that sell that dream when when unfortunately it can be a nightmare. And you have to have the buy-in, like I said, at L and D. You have to have the buy-in of operations too, though. You know, because they they got to let people go. Um, I, I wanted to swing back to something Scott had said earlier. Like I love when people are honest to a weird fault with me in interviews. And I had one person that I was hiring for, and it was um it was recently as this year. And uh, you know, I was I was actually screening them for an hourly role because one of my team was out and. And you know, I asked, well, you know, what, what about this role interests you? And he said, it's, it's, oh, it's, it's definitely a paycheck. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he's like, well, see, I would like to work for you and have you pay me money so that I can eat and move out of my mother's house. <laughs> and I said, okay, that's great. And I was like, well, you know, do you, do you understand our mission? And he was like, no, I love what you guys are doing. I love it. I think it's really cool. I, I want to be part of a group that is actually helping people. Um, but, I, you know, I have to be 100% honest. My, my passion is guitar. And I was like, all right, that's, that's cool. And he was like, I, I don't think I'm ever going to make it. But, you know, my passion is guitar, but I have to work. So and I have to have a job. And this seems like a job that at least I could, you know, believe in what I'm doing. But I'm just going to be honest, it's not my passion. And I'm like, no, I love it. I love it. And I, you know, I, I talked to a supervisor. They interviewed him and just hated it. Just hated it. And said, you know, this, this person is not right for us. We want people to be passionate about what we're doing. And I just, no, I want someone to be honest with me. Because I know yeah. that, you know, this, this person is not going, to, most of the people that are telling you, oh, I'm passionate about, about this or about that. I mean, no one, no one works at McDonald's, but they're passionate about the Big Mac. You know, no one, no one is Well, some people are passionate about those fries. Those fries are good. <laughs> um, those are fire. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> we have to get away from that. And, you know, part of it is, you know, to Abby's point, it's, it's bad actors in my profession a lot of times that are pushing that.
0: So how do we educate our hiring managers, right? So I, I agree with you to, to, a, to a great extent on, listen, pour into your passions, whatever those might be, so you can show up better at work. So in this instance, hey, I'm passionate about guitar. I love to play guitar. Great. So that's fantastic. You still got to do this job. You know what I'm saying? But if I have an opportunity to pour into my passions, that's fantastic. I mean, ultimately, and I, I would agree in that respect. Also, um, I mean, I want to make my avocation my vocation, right? So, you know, ultimately, it, it, the things that I'm most passionate about, I wanna, I, I wanna be doing all the time, right? Because that that's where um, life is, right? That's where we we get great tremendous joy, and I'm finding that the more joy I have in my life, the more success that I bring in my life, right? So where's, how do we educate our hiring managers of that's not necessarily a bad answer so long as they've got talent and competency in the job that we're looking for and we provide them the opportunity to go ahead and coordinate their passions in a different place?
1: Yeah, I think, unfortunately, I I don't have a silver bullet there. Um, I think that a lot of times you have to both, both l and and recruitment, have to really gain the trust of those hiring managers. Because I think even when you're managing people, when you get into the higher levels of operations, you, you want it to work like a machine. And it, it doesn't, but, but you want it to, right? And that when you, when you look at a machine, you're, you, know, you have to fix the, the, the cogs and the wheels and the, the everything to certain specifications and what we're trying to say is hey we don't have to fit those exact specifications the machine will still turn and so you have to build trust it's it's not a day 1 activity it's it's a it's a day 200 activity where you can build a little trust in them by saying hey i've never i've never done your role let's take a chance on on jane and I think Jane will be great. And LND going, hey, I, I back him up. I can get Jane where beyond where you need her, and I can turn Jane into your number one person. Give me three months with Jane. And you have to, it, it's just building that trust with them. And, you know, sometimes you find a, a hiring manager that is experimental um i i love i absolutely love a sales manager that i worked with about 2 lives ago and we had a we had a very much a, a a very strict template of what we were looking for in a particular sales role and i was working with um one of our training people and and they said you know what i could teach a monkey how to do this <laughs> like you know everyone says that right i can teach a monkey how to do this but he said, I don't need someone that has been six months of this and a year of that. I could take someone with a desire to learn in retail and turn them into someone who was successful. And we kind of we kind of shopped that idea back and forth for, I don't know, three, four months. And I had this, this hiring manager that was just someone that was not afraid to fall on her face. And she said, "Let's try it. I'll give you one class. If you can do it, you can do it, and we'll 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 pitch it, and if you can't, this is all you guys' fault, and I was never a part of this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we did it, we filled the class, and we kind of hedged our bets. we filled the class half and half, right? But um we were able to do it, and from then on, it it became that trust that, hey, we've got this pilot. let us try this." I don't need this skill for this person. They'll get them there. Uh, and and people started to trust us. So unfortunately, there's no silver bullet to educate them on it. You can tell these stories all day long, but unfortunately, they are anecdotes, and so there's no real silver bullet. It's, it's just building trust. It's building that relationship with with them, fortunately. Or fortunately, honestly, you could say.
2: Well, it makes me think too. This has really gotten my like wheels turning in my head. I'm not sure if I know the challenges our HR department is having to fill roles right now. Like, I don't know if it's a skills gap that they are struggling to fill. I don't know if it's um, a type of, um, you know, personality that they're looking for. So it makes me think I have my own opportunities to go reach out to my HR partners and say, teach me more about what you're doing, what you're looking for, what your succession plans look like. Um I think there's a lot for me to learn. So this has been a great experience for me, Brandon. And I appreciate you coming on. <laughs>
1: You're welcome. And here, my mentor when I first started this um, told me there's three questions ultimately you ask. It's, and, and it's, can they do the job, the skills question? And I think we've talked a lot about that, about how that, that can be manipulated in a lot of different ways, you know, with, with kind of help from you guys and then there's the will question you know uh, will they do the job you know do they have push and do they have effort i i tend to think effort is is the most important of of uh of qualities and virtues in in, in people you know how how much someone will, will push to try to achieve their goals and the most important question of all can you stand for this person to do this job for you and that's that that's that cultural question and do they fit into the team and you know it 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 just doesn't work if someone has the the right skills and someone has the the just a, a bunch of effort but they come in and they have this radically different personality and work ethic and and drive than the rest of your team the rest of your team is just not going to jive they're just not going to work with this person correctly and it's it's like trying to push a puzzle piece in that doesn't fit and so you know i think to me uh, the the last two are the really the important ones the, the first one can be manipulated you know skills come and go and skills can be taught and and that's really kind of I think I think the crux of my whole argument is you know with through through you guys all things are possible um, <laughs> <through> LED, <laughs> all things are possible believe that um, you know the the rest of it comes down to the person but you know, definitely, definitely skills can be manipulated.
2: I would caveat that and say with, with good people, all things are possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't yeah. bring yeah. me a, sure. a garbage person and expect a diamond. <laughs> yeah. Not that they're garbage people, but in general, you know, yeah. I think we all understand that.
0: <laughs> so Brandon, I'm going to give you a crystal ball. Or a DeLorean and you can go up to 88 miles an hour and, and see right. Okay, we'll give you the DeLorean. All right, fine. So I'm in learning and development. I'm looking at my organization. We're not thinking this way. Okay. I think most people listening to the show are like, yep, that's me. That's what we're doing. Would love to help. What do we do? Right. So how do we listen? Um, think. I, in my humble opinion, things need to change. And they've needed to change for a long, long time. So we're in this great awakening, like I would say, uh, for change. Like, So if you were to speak to our audience and just say, hey, listen, you want to add real impact to talent assessment, growth, upskilling, here's my point of view of some of the things that you can start doing today.
1: Yeah, I I think you hit the crux of it, Scott. It is this great awakening of how we look at work. And it's it's really funny because <laughs> the, the the pandemic did this weird thing where it took us out of the offices and into these remote locations and spread us all out. And what that really means for us is we have to bond together a lot better in ways that we used to not. And what it means is if you are an LND, reach out to reach out to your your talent team. And reach out to HR and say, "Hey, what role can I play in this?" I, I think that I think that I have some some insights that could help you, or you know, reach out to your your managers and say, you know, what 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 are your developmental needs like? And you know, it's it's really having someone that is open to. <laughs> I, I this phrase is kind of I guess a funny phrase. To, to to utilizing the d in the right way that development and you know we 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 lack it often you know we we just we don't look at it we don't we don't i guess i'm struggling to to find the right way to say this we we don't utilize it in ways that can engage our employees and and keep them around Th- this is a tough time for HR because we're losing people hand over fist people have so many options as far as remote work it's opened up your categories when you look for work from here's the town that I'm in and as far as I want to commute which you know if your normal is about 20 or 30 minutes if you're crazy about an hour and it's changed it to nationwide. And what that's done for people is to open up options. So if they're not getting the nurturing nature, nurturing that they need through their company, they're, they're going to look for those other options. And a, a big factor is pay. But another factor is that engagement. And that engagement comes through that, that career development and skills development. And I think that if I, were, if I were in learning and development, I would reach out to HR and say, hey, I know engagement's difficult and I know right now people have a ton of options. What can I do as far as building programs or initiatives to be able to help people grow in their career so that they feel that we are investing in them? And your HR people will say, oh my gosh, okay, yeah, please, thank you, let's do that. Because this is this is something that takes a, a burden off of them, because half of them are scratching their heads and going, how do I keep my people engaged? How do I keep my people engaged? Because we're not at the office, I can't tap them on the shoulder, I can't smile at them, I can't throw them a pizza party, and I don't know... Uh, I guess you can't see it, but I'm 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 doing the finger quotes um, to, to keep people engaged. Uh, you, you have to you have to find some other way. And, and doing kind of career development, I think, is a really powerful way.
0: Well, sadly, we're getting at that point in time where we need to start wrapping things up. <laughs> Brandon, thank you so much uh, for coming and sharing your wisdom. I, I, I loved I mean, how you wrap things up. When that last session was absolutely perfect. So I uh, thank you for that. Um, could you do us a favor, let our audience know how they could connect more with you?
1: Um, well, uh, I'm available on LinkedIn. am I, I don't really have a, a, blog or a brand. I'm just, you know, kind of a guy, but, um, definitely feel free. You could always reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'd love to have conversations like this. I love to I want to talk to people about kind of what we're doing and what I'm trying to change about what, what my profession is right now. Um, you know, really interested in kind of evolving, evolving talent acquisition and, you know, making it uh, more of this interconnected uh, section that really ties into all facets of the company and, and really partners very closely with, uh, with my learning and development teams.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you again, Brandon. Really, really appreciate it. And folks, check them out, hit them up on LinkedIn, um, have a conversation. Um, I think it'd be really, really awesome for you to do that as you start thinking about upskilling your talent or maybe even upskilling yourself. I think that's great. Danielson. Yes, Scott. Could you do us a solid and let everybody know how they could connect with us?
3: Absolutely. Party people, if you haven't already, hit us up at LearningNerdsCast at gmail.com. Email us any questions you may have. Talk to us about how your team and your company is doing recruiting. And if they're not, they're uh, working with your L&D department. Uh, if you're on Facebook, you can find us at LearningNerds. And lastly, for all you Instagram peeps, Fab Learning Nerds. Scott.
0: Hey, folks, do us a favor. Could you go ahead and hit the like button and, and subscribe if you like what Brandon and the rest of the team have to say? We'd appreciate it. Share this podcast with your friends. If you're getting us on iTunes or Stitcher, leave us a review. We are wanting your review. The more reviews you get, the more better we can give you what you need. And it helps us get our message out to more folks. And with that, I'm Scott. I'm Dan. I'm Abby. I'm Brandon. And we're your Fabulous Learning Nerds, and we are out. Thanks for listening to the Fabulous Learning Nerds. You know, there are a lot of solutions out there for giving students what they need, when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention. Meet with teachers. Makeup work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment of offerings. If you're, if you're thinking of giving it a try, if you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com/be to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com/be.